No. So, Mary, um, I heard that you're actually a GP who actually um, started teaching um, school kids about the birds and the bees. How, can you tell us a little bit of your background and also okay. how you actually got involved in that with the school kids? Okay, well, um, uh, yes, I was a GP. I'm now retired. Um, and my husband's also a GP and we work together. Um, so when our children went off to school, they, when they were um, you know, getting in the later primary school, the teachers got to know that we were both GPs and they thought, we don't want to teach the sex classes. So they asked Daryl and I to do it. So for about 10 years um, at the school that our children went to, every year Daryl and I would rock up um, for a couple of days. Uh, Daryl would take the boys and I'd take the girls and then we'd have time together. Um, and we did the six-class sex education, which we actually loved. Um, I'm not sure that our children liked it that much. <laughs> Can you imagine when you were 12 and it's your mother coming to talk about, you know? Um, but it was a wonderful privilege and uh, it is something that's hard, hard to do. Um, and, you know, it's a very personal thing, very private, very intimate, but very wonderful. So it was a wonderful privilege to talk to the children. Uh, it was interesting. Do you want, are you going to ask me about any funny stories? Yeah, why not? All right. I've got two <laughs> funny, funny stories. stories, don't we? <laughs> um, one year I had a girl who the whole time, the whole two days that I was there, just sat with her head on the desk and her head in the arm, uh, you know, like this. She didn't once look up. She just couldn't cope with what I was talking about. I hoped her mother followed through. The other funny story was, I thought I did a reasonable job. I'd been doing it for a few years and I thought I was fairly clear and simple. But one of the girls went home and told her mother what she thought I had said, which was bizarre. <laughs> and it was about periods, so... Um, oh. Yeah, it was what happens at night and, and I never said anything like that. So I don't know where she got that out of her head. But So check with your kids. Yeah, no, that sounds great. Well, without further ado, if we could put our hands together for Mary. Would you mind just lifting that up for me? We'll just get the technical stuff together. Oh, very technical, great. Okay. Well, it's great to be here. Um, I just want to say in the outset that um, sex education is a long-term process. It's not just about the year six talk or the big talk that you have. Um, like all things, uh, to learn something there has to be lots of repetition, lots of discussion. Uh, God has made our bodies so beautiful. Um, and our sexuality is one of the highlights um, in our personal lives and in this physical world. Unfortunately, because it is so precious, personal and intimate, it can be really messed up. And as we um, grow our children, we grow them in all sorts of ways. And um, growing them, nurturing them, maturing them in their sexuality is a really important thing that we do as parents. Now, we know what children are like. Um, they often just ask the most awkward questions at the most awkward time, don't they? 
Hands up those who have got four-year-olds in the room. All right. Keep your hands up. If you've got a four or five, three or four or five, okay, just think about your child and you're peeling the potatoes and they run in and they say, Mummy, where, Mummy, Daddy, where do babies come from? What do you say? Have you got something in your head? Does anyone want a game? <laughs> Probably not. Okay. I won't embarrass you. All right. Who's got teenagers? Who's got 12, 13, 14-year-olds? Okay, so they probably had the big talk. They have a certain amount of knowledge and information. What are you going to say when your son walks in and says, you know, I was thinking, you know, can a male urinate in the vagina during intercourse? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <gasps> what do you do with that? Now, that's actually a really good question. He's thinking about how does all this work? Oh, my goodness, because he goes to the toilet and all he does with his penis is urinate. So he's trying to put it together. It's a great question. He's thinking, but what do you do as a parent? <gasps> okay, what about a nine-year-old? Over the dinner, you're sitting around and you've got the little kids with you, so he's your eldest, he or she, is your eldest child and you're sitting around the dinner table and he says, or she says, what's a homosexual? They're going to hear that word at a very young age. What are you going to say to them around the dinner table? Or a four or five-year-old. And they say, how come girls have got big breasts and boys don't? Very obvious question. And they're thinking. Our children are beautiful the way they think and they're always thinking and they want to learn. These are the sorts of questions as parents we need to be prepared for. So the big talk when they're whatever, you know, 10, 11, 12, yes, that's very important, but all the way through is just as important. So what I'm going to do today is I'm just going to talk about four important principles for you to think about. And then I'm going to quickly go through the various age groups of children and the sorts of things we ought to be doing in those age groups if we're going to mature them in their sexuality. So the first basic principle is, parents, you are the important person to teach your child about sex. And the first message your child gets is the most powerful. So you want to be first. Now, we all know sex is really in our face, even for little kids. The ads on television are sexual. Our children learn by osmosis, so they're going to get it. We need to prepare our children at a young age for the wonderful truth and the appropriate truth in place of the lies that they will hear. Josh McDowell, who's written a few books, says, the average person views approximately 9,000-plus 9, 9, sex acts or implied sex acts on TV every year. Now, you might think that's not true, but just stop and think about what is on our television. Um, Australian statistics says, say that 50% of Australian teenagers will have had sex by the time they're 17, 50%. Scary, isn't it? 
We don't want our children to be victims of that sort of society. We want to give them the great message about sex. So first principle, you're the ones. Second principle is to think about how comfortable are you with your own body, with your own sexuality? What message will your children get about the comments that you make about yourself, about body, about your husband or wife? Can you actually talk to your husband or your wife about your sexual relationship? Are you free to do that? If you're not, it's going to be difficult to be free with your kids. What about your knowledge about anatomy, your physical body? What's it like? It was fairly easy for me with a medical background. You get that. And maybe you had really good sex education, but if you didn't and you're not clear about it, go and find out. Some of us have had difficult past sexual experiences which make how we sit with our sexuality very difficult. And that's very sad and it's very common. So if that's you, go and do something about that so you don't pass that on to your children who are un unscathed as yet. So the second point is to think about how you feel about your body and your sexuality. And if you need to do something about it, do something about it. The third basic principle is be an askable parent. When they ask those difficult questions or those awkward questions or the questions that you don't even know the answer for, be open. Make sure we give them an answer and I don't know, but I'm going to find out for you, is a great answer. It's a much better answer than something made up. Be accurate and explicit in your answers. You don't have to give all the detail, but give them the truth and make it specific. Don't waffle, <laughs> which we often do. Don't make them feel embarrassed about the question they asked because when they start feeling embarrassed, the communication will stop. So that awkward question, can a male urinate in a vagina through intercourse, yeah, that's really awkward for us, but let's try and encourage the child to keep asking that question. Don't say that any question is silly or dumb. All questions are good and need a good, wise, appropriate answer. Remember that learning takes lots of repeti repetition. So don't get sick of answering the same question twice. If they're asking it twice, they haven't got it yet. The other thing is seize opportunities when they come. Um, we, we've got our kids around all the time. Don't wait to make that big talk. Grab the moments that we have with our children. And remember that a positive message is far more powerful than a negative message. So often in you know, the old days, our sexuality was don't, don't, bad, bad, bad. Let's make it, this is a wonderful part of life and these are the ways to enjoy it. Okay, so be an askable parent. And the fourth principle is almost, seems silly to say, but really important to say, that as we do our sex education, it's all in the context of a loving, encouraging relationship. 
Do all that we can to build our child's sense of acceptance and love of themselves and of others. Our role as parents is to build our children's character. Perhaps we need to challenge ourselves and look at our particular parenting style and see what it's like, how we actually are doing it. Are there things that we need to change or develop in ourselves so that as we communicate with our children, we communicate in that loving, unconditional love? And remember that all things are forgivable as parents and healing is possible for all things. So the four principles are, can anyone give me number one? Where parents are the best teachers, absolutely. And the, uh, the first message is most powerful. Second one is? How, absolutely, how comfortable we are with our own sexuality. Third one? Be an askable parent. Fourth one? Anatomy? Oh, yes, yes. Well, that's how comfortable we are. If we're not there, do something about it. Absolutely, really important. And our fourth principle? Do everything in... <laughs> Can't hear you! <laughs> in a positive way, in a loving, unconditional love environment. Okay, so there are principles for you to think about. Um, and I'm just going to go through the age groups. Remember, it's not a single talk. Um, we do need to do the big talk, um, but it's an 18-year process of word, attitude, um, discussion, questions, even what we do with our children. Now, children mature at varying ages, um, and so I'm going to break them up in age groups, but this is not tight. Um, my two boys were two and a half years apart, but they actually matured at exactly the same time. So my youngest one matured early and my older one matured a bit later. So they were always at the same stage. Um, so when I give you these age groups, they're just rough. You've, you've got to adapt them to your children. You know your children. So, but I'm going to do it for convenience. Um, so I'm going to talk about the naught to the two-year-olds. So if you've got um, under two-year-olds, you may not be thinking that it has anything to do with their sexual development. Can I say it does? Um, you may notice that your, your babies and your under two or three-year-olds, they're very interested in their body. They explore all of their body. Um, boys love playing with their penises. It's just great. And, you know, and they stick their fingers in all sorts of orifices. They're exploring their body. Their genitals are just part of their body, no different. So it's important for us as parents just to know that they're exploring their body. It's healthy. Don't react to it. What the younger ones need is lots and lots of healthy, good body contact. Now, it's so easy to do that, isn't it? Um, they're so beautiful. I have grandchildren now and... Um, I had three overnight, I mind them, and honestly, you just want to eat them up. <laughs> but when you're a parent, you're so busy. 
it's great as a grandparent because you're not as busy. <laughs> um, but when you're a parent, you're so busy. And sometimes we neglect just that important, the importance of that first cuddle in that morning, the importance of sitting on your knee, the importance of the touch, the patting of their head. Um, just remember that. That's really vital for healthy sexual development for under two-year-olds. And the other thing in that age group um, is just be careful with your toilet training. Slow and steady, no big pressure. I think it's a bit different these days. When I was toilet training, there was this, my goodness, if they weren't trained by this stage, you were a terrible mother. I notice my children and their peers are much more relaxed and it's much more sensible. So go with that. All right, so for the two to five-year-olds now, they're a bit older, they're talking, they're communicating, um, they're still very interested in their body, even more so. Um, I've got a little three-year-old grandson who just loves his hand down his pants. Um, and I notice what my daughter-in-law has done, which is really good. She has just taught him appropriate social times to do that. No big deal. You don't do that when you're out. You do that at home. I went, wow, she's wise. Um, so they're still wanting to explore their body and it's natural, it's not harmful, it doesn't mean anything bad unless we put something bad on it. They're also, because their language has developed, they're wanting to know things. So I think, in my opinion, it's really good to give body parts their proper names. Now, I know there's lots of fun names that we give all sorts of things in our um, genitals. I don't know whether that's still... Is that still done out there? What, what are some names for penises that are common now? Whistle? Is that it? Willie? Yeah, that's, that was around in my day. Pee-pee? Noodle? <laughs> There's probably a hundred more, depending on your... Look, it's been around for a long time, but just let's think of what happens when they've been calling it their willy all their life and they get to 10, 11, 12 and in the books it's called a penis or somebody else calls it a penis or, you know, they're not going to be comfortable with that word or they're going to be confused. We don't call our head our... I don't know. What would you call your head? Oh, noggin, I suppose we do, don't we? <laughs> I suppose we do. Um, but I think it's confusing. And, and this area, it is so important that we're not confusing our children. And maybe we give them those pet names uh, because we're a bit uncomfortable with it. So I'd encourage you to get used to saying those words out loud. Penis. Vagina, testicle, um, labia, you know, those words that we don't say out loud, practice them. Practice them with your husband or wife or so that when you do have to call it that, <laughs> oh, that could be fun, couldn't it? <laughs> well, go for it, you know, enjoy. <laughs> um, I think it's really important to give it their proper name so that they, there's no confusion and they're not thinking, why is that being done like that? Which they will think. They're so smart, our kids. 
Um, in this age group, continue lots of body contact, um, which uh, we do, and answer their questions honestly. Don't um, make up stories. I don't think we do that as much these days um, either. But if you give them a simple, clear answer, they're right. I was talking to a lady um, just before we came in and she was sharing and a child came and asked her a question. She gave a, a honest, clear, straight answer and that was right. And they were fine. Okay. And they go off to play with their Lego or whatever they're doing. So um, give them honest, specific and clear answers. In this age group, um, what we might call sexual play is quite common. I don't like that term, but it is used in, in some books. So mummies, daddies, doctors, nurses, and, you know, they lie up in their bed and they take their clothes off and they, you know, do all of that sort of thing. They pretend to have a baby in their tummy um, if they're playing mummies and daddies. Um, that is really, really healthy. They're just mimicking life as they see it. Um, if we tell them that this is bad, they're going to get a message that their bodies, there's something bad about their bodies, there's something bad about nakedness. Now, of course, there's appropriate play with appropriate age group people. I'm not talking about inappropriate, you know, older kids, younger kids. But don't be alarmed. If you do need to deal with it, deal with it. But try not be alarmed about it. Because that message is so powerful to our children. Okay. Oh, better hurry on. Um, the six to nine years. Um, there's a little less play. They're a little bit more grown up. They've gone to school. They've been socialised. But some of that, you start getting the, the giggling, the smutty jokes, the dirty jokes that they may not understand, but they've heard in the playground... Um, they may hear all sorts of words that are not the words that you've taught them. Lots of discussion about what is good. Lots of discussion about the right words. Lots of discussion about other people, thinking about other people. If you're laughing, if the boys are laughing at the girl's body, how does that make the girl feel? So we develop that sense of it's not just about me, it's about the other person. And sexuality is all about the other person. It's not just about me. So we start that process at an early age. There's a growing awareness of the differences in female and male bodies, an awareness of pregnancy. Um, it's a wonderful opportunity. If you've got, um, you know, six, seven-year-olds and you're pregnant or your neighbour is pregnant or someone else at the school is pregnant, it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to talk about um, pregnancy, baby, sexuality, just as they need to know. The other thing that happens is they're starting to learn um, male and female roles. So just be aware of what you're teaching your children in terms of what you say and what you do in terms of the male and female roles in your household. Just be aware of, is this what I want to teach my daughter or my son? Okay, 10 to 12 years... This is the big preparation. Um, the big principle here is forewarned is forearmed. Um, this is the time for the big sex talk, but it's probably not one big talk. Hopefully there's, there's one and then lots of others that follow. Um, we need specific education about male and female, the body, 
and most importantly, the changes that will happen to both the boys and the girls. Um, in my experience, the girls need to know and want to know and are desperate to know all about periods, what that will mean to them, how it'll impact them, how to cope with that, how to manage that. Um, girls do imagine all sorts of stuff, as my friend's daughter did when she went home, even with correct information. We want to present that, ladies, um, in a really positive light. And if I can just speak to the ladies for a minute, um, you know, periods aren't much fun really, are they? Um, but they're a wonderful part of the way that God has made our bodies. And so um, while the, it is difficult and it's good to be true and honest, but let's do that in a positive way. Uh, we need to be specific about intercourse, about pregnancy. We need to be also talking to the boys about wet dreams, masturbation, sexual thoughts. We need to also be introducing marriage, the way God ordained man and women to be together. Um, we need to talk about the responsibility of sexuality and the morality in sexuality. So we just start that at this age. We just start it. Remember at this age, um, they're starting to be very private and that's really important. We need to be very careful to give our children privacy. Um, that's all part of their sexual development, that they need to um, keep themselves safe. Um, they're very easily embarrassed so I'm not sure Daryl and I doing the sex education was that good for our kids, but they are married and fairly well-adjusted, sensible people, so I don't think we scarred them too much. But, you know, for some very sensitive children, that may have been quite traumatic. We need to really build their self-esteem and unconditional love. Okay, the teenage years, just quickly. Um, who's got teenagers at the moment? Yeah, lots of you. Okay. It is a really hard year, um, time. It's a very emotional time. Teenagers have lots of fears, anxieties. They feel poorly about themselves. So as I've said, you know, all of this sexual education is all in the context of unconditional love and feeling, you know, building your child's esteem. This is a time when they feel terrible about themselves. Rebellion is a major cause of sexual experimentation. Um, so we need to stay with our kids. Keep building um, the relationship as difficult as it is. Even when you're doing a good job, um, one of the books I read in preparation for this, he described it beautifully. He said, even if you're doing a good job and you have a good relationship with your child, your teenager, often what you get is either cool indifference or bored impatience. And I remember the bored impatience. It's like, oh, when are you going to stop? Oh, I know all of this. I've heard you've said this before. <laughs> and, and that's what they do. And we can be put off by that. And I'm encouraging you parents of teenagers, that's just what they're going to do. Just go with it. Uh, I mean, be sensitive. You know, if you're ramming it down their throat... But know that they're actually going to be like that. Don't be offended. Don't take it personally. Even their negative behaviour, deal with it, but don't be personally offended. Now, I say that and I remember the teenage years and that's a really, really hard thing to do as a parent. But particularly when we're talking about 
um, such an intimate topic as their sexuality, a lot of that is going to come out because they're really awkward. Um, discuss very openly their relationships with the opposite sex. Discuss what's happening at school. Ask. Be interested. Don't be nosy. Be interested. Um, talk to them about what is healthy relationships. Talk to them about what is preferred options. Give them options. They may not be able to find the options. We need to set realistic guidelines and boundaries, but hopefully do that in a discussionary style, not an authoritarian style. Our children are becoming, they're teenagers, they're becoming young adults, so they're wanting to make their own decisions, so foster that process. Um, Avoid unsupervised activities. You can't avoid that totally, but when I'm talking about when they're um, out with their boyfriend or their girlfriend. Um, one of the things I did with my youngest son, uh, he had a girlfriend in year 10. I was driving them home from their formal and I looked in the rear vision mirror and they're pashing. Oh, my goodness. And I'm driving them there. Oh. Well, they were supervised, weren't they? They weren't going to do anything in that back seat. But it was a shock. They're too young. They are married now with two kids and another one on the way. Um, but supervise them. You know, back seats of the car are dangerous. Perhaps not do that. Okay, in this age group, you will need to raise hard topics. They won't raise them. And I'm thinking particularly of masturbation. And you'll have to work out what you think about masturbation. Particularly for boys, but also for girls, but more particularly for boys, incredibly common. You have to work out what you believe and what you're going to say to your children. And you need to work that out before they're teenagers. And then you need to raise it and talk to them about it. You will need to raise and talk to them about pornography. Lots of conversations about pornography. Pornography is out there. Young kids are seeing it. If your children aren't seeing it, children that are at school with your children are sitting down and watching these pornographic things with their parents. So they're going to hear about it if they don't see it. You need to raise it. And raise it in a really positive way. Don't raise it with, this is bad, don't do it. What are they going to do if they're 15 and 16 and sexually going, ah? They're going to go for it. Raise it, talk about it. Um, raise it in a loving context of family and the way God created family. Okay, we're talking about values there. Encourage them to develop their own values. Okay, 16 to 19, they're just about to leave the family home. Um, there's still room for you to discuss things. Define boundaries more carefully um, and more specifically. It's really good. They're probably getting serious relationships at this time. Talk openly about their, what they're going to do about their sexual drive. What amount of contact do they want to have with their girlfriend or boyfriend? What is acceptable? Ask them. Don't tell them. Ask them. And then talk to them about them. Tell them your, um, where you're coming from. I think one of the things is really good to talk to your children about is the step progression of sexual excitement. That our, our sexual excitement starts with when we just look across the room at somebody. 
and then we go and talk to them and then we bat our eyelids, or the girls do, and the boys flex their muscles. And then we hold hands and then, you know, it's a step progression. We need to explain to our young adults that sexual excitement is a step progression and you rarely come back from it. And in the moment, it's a step progression. And there comes a point where we're human and we lose control. And it's really important that they actually know that. And for all of us, that's different. Some of us, you know, have very tight personal control. Others have less tight. Talk to them about that. But I think it's important for them to know that this is just the reality of sexual excitement. Endeavour at this stage not to make rules, but to get your young adult to adopt healthy, wonderful um, guidelines for themselves so that their sexuality is a wonderful gift, that they can enjoy it without being traumatised, without having regrets, without having to go through the healing process that many people do because they weren't forewarned. They jumped in without all the knowledge that you parents can give. So that's a lot to take in. I'm sure you've only got little snippets. Um, there are some wonderful books... Um, on the bookstall. Um, some of what I've talked about, there's three books that I've um, taken it from, but Stan and Brianna Jones um, have got a book that the bookstall have got, thanks. And they've also written, um, or they've written three out of the four, um, the blue one. Oh, they're bringing up the kids' ones. They've also written books for children at the certain stages. So there are four stages. So if you want books for your kids at your stage that you can take home and read with your children, um, that's great. You can buy those. But, yeah, that's thank you. So how and when to tell your kids about sex. Um, is that one? So that's for you. Um, some of what I've said is in that. There's a couple of other books that I have used um, as well. And then there's four. Book one, um, The Story of Me, which is written by them. Before I Was Born. Now, this has been around. I bought this for my children. It's, it's certainly different pictures and a different format, but it's the same story. So it's been around a long time. Um, and then two more. Um, What's the Big Deal? So that's um, for the young, the 10 to 12. And book four, Facing the Facts, so for the teenagers. So if you want something for your age group, I'd really recommend all of those. And if you want something for you, I'd really recommend that. It's excellent. So have we got any questions? Have we got time for questions? Sorry. Okay, well, thank you so much, Mary. That was fantastic. We do have time for a couple of quick questions. So is there anyone who has a question? If you can put your hand right up and we'll get a mic to you. Over here. Um, what age should our children be when we stop walking around naked in front of them? <laughs> now, I have a six and an eight-year-old and they walk in when I'm in the shower. Is that... Uh, when's that inappropriate? Um, th th that's very personal to you. Um, but I think the fact that we can walk around naked in our house is wonderful. What message is it saying to our kids? It's saying, I feel good about my body. Now, I think you will find that they will choose when they don't want to do it. <laughs> I go, ah! 
Um, your six-year-old, I'm sure, is fine. Your eight-year-old might be fine, but give him nine or ten, I think you'll find he won't want to do it. And that's, that's his development. He's become so aware that, oh, I'm a boy, you're a girl, you're my mum. No, I don't, I don't want to go there. So I, I think... But it, it's up to you, but I, I, I think you've done a great job. If your boys are eight and six and you're still walking around naked, go for it. You've got a good sense of your own body. Well done. I've got a quick question in regards to the school systems. Um, years five, six, they have what's called interrelate that come into the schools. I'm always nervous and actually don't send my children to those things because I'd actually prefer it to come from me beforehand. But I'm finding that it's coming from more of a world's worldly perspective rather than a Christian perspective? What's your take on that? Am I doing the wrong thing? Um, the principle is you as parents are the most important person and give the message first. Um, so I, I don't know how interrelate, interrelate do it. Um, uh, they may just do a very physical thing. Um, so I can't comment on that. But I do think it's better for us as parents to give it to them first. So um, it's up to you really. Maybe you do it beforehand. Um, I don't know whether there's facilities for you to go to school and listen. Let them join in and listen. There may not be. And then come home and talk about it and say, well, you heard this, but I say this and this is what God says. I don't know whether that's a possibility. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, I guess the, it depends how you'd say to your child, you're not going to this. I would encourage you to say, um, I like to do this and we do this in our family, so we don't need to do it at school. So, so present it again as a very positive thing rather than, oh, no, that, that's bad. I don't want you to go to that. Present it as a positive. Is that helpful? Yeah. Okay. A couple more questions. Um, I actually rang in to relate and ask questions of them as to what we ah! said too. So that's another way, possibly. Yeah, great. I was, I was going to say a similar thing. Um, Bindi, I, as well as um, other programs that run through school, you can actually ask for the curriculum. And, like, the teacher has provided me with that and you can have a look through it. Um, but Good. my daughter just did interrelate and they actually were given a a booklet, a workbook, and they came home and they actually set homework for you to do, for the kids to do with the parents each oh, night. Wonderful. So that was actually a really special time to sit with my daughter and hear what she'd learned and talk about things together. So yep. it can actually be a tool that helps you have those conversations, I guess. Yeah. But I just had a question as well. You were speaking about it's normal for kids to play doctors and mums and dads and things like that. And I just... I just wondered, um, you know, when, like, say, four or five-year-olds, they have their friends over and they, they want to play those things, what's a way where you can encourage them but also set boundaries that, you know, appropriate boundaries mm. that when we're with our friends, it's not necessarily... We don't necessarily take our pants off and pretend to give birth and things like that. <laughs> what, 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 how would you deal with that? Yeah, I think, um, I think it's important that we don't react to it, but I also think it's really important that we have appropriate social 
um, social boundaries, but also personal boundaries. So I think it's appropriate to say, really when we're with other people, we don't take our pants off. You know, a, a blanket sort of thing. This is just what we... You, know, you can play mummies and daddies and, you know, and you just pretend. So it's pretend, you can pretend. Um, so I think those sort of boundaries, and I think even at that young age when you're, you know, they're doing that and they're just so free with their bodies, I think you can teach, well, not can, I think it's really good to teach them that it's their body, it belongs to them and no one else. So we start that even at a young age, but not in that watch out sort of tone. I think sometimes because there, there is ugly things out there and we want to protect our children, but sometimes we have this knee jerk, you know, oh, it's all dangerous, and then they get, oh, we don't want to do that with our children's bodies. We want them to know that they're beautiful. But certainly social boundaries and personal boundaries. Okay, well, we'll have to leave the questions there for now. Um, if you have further questions, you can write them down or you can grab Mary and I'm sure she'll ha be happy to have a quick talk to you afterwards.